Welcome to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church in Rural Monticello. This is Wednesday, February the 21st, 2024, Lenten service. Thank you for joining us today. Well, welcome to our Wednesday midweek Lenten services in 2024. <clears throat> Again, I'd like to thank our Sunday school for kicking us off with that wonderful supper that we had. <clears throat> Wanted to try something different this year, and we thought, you know, we have this beautiful sanctuary. Let's just get up. We'll have dessert first and come in here and to gather together as a family of God. So this midweek service, what I want to do is dive a little bit deeper into the epistles. We don't get to talk about that very much. It's this, usually the second reading. It's a letter. It's called an epistle. It's a letter written to the church, to specific churches. In this Lenten journey, I would like to look at it as a letter written to Wayne Zion Lutheran Church and for us to think about. Our theme for this Lenten series is share your faith, live your faith. Faith is at the center, and you'll pick up on each of these epistles that talk about faith as being the center. Now that we've all gathered together, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <clears throat> I invite you to take your celebrate insert and you're going to say, Pastor, this is the one we had on Sunday. Yes, it is. And we're going to pray the same prayer of the day as we did on Sunday, if you'll join with me. Holy God, Heavenly Father, in the waters of the flood, you saved the chosen. And in the wilderness of temptation, you protected your son from sin. Renew us in the gift of baptism. May your holy angels be with us, that the wicked foe may have no power over us, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. If you'll turn to the second reading, and I'm going to read it out of the Pew Bible, and I'm going to read a section from chapter 3 that you don't see there. To put this in context, and this section is called Suffering for Doing Good. Suffering for Doing Good. And so I read chapter 3, starting at the 8th verse rather than the 18th. Finally, Peter writes, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be passionate, be humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. 
For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be affrighted. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have in Christ. But to do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And then we pick up where you see it written in your bulletin. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. <clears throat> After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not with the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with the angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Well, my compliments are busy taking sermon notes this evening. And if I was a compliment, I would give this sermon a title. And the title might be this, In Christ, We Are New Creation. In Christ, We Are New Creation, Filled with Faith, Hope, and Love. And let me start out with a faith statement. Christ's suffering made the unrighteous holy. Peter's insight with regards to this text, that Christ's suffering made the unrighteous holy. Well, let's get started with the unrighteous predicament. In Genesis, right at the beginning, in 319, as a result of the original sin, we collectively with Adam and Eve are fallen. Sin entered into the fray of God's creation. And the punishment from God handed to Adam is also the punishment that was swift and broad and includes us. And the words were sternly spoken by God. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it is where you were taken." And in Genesis 2-7, here's where man came. 
Then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We heard last Wednesday as we gathered, Pastor Bill and I, with the imposition of ashes, we said, remember, from dust you came to dust you shall return. As we placed last year's palm branch ash upon our forehead. But God did not leave our predicament in this state of hopelessness forever. While we cannot free ourselves, we cannot, by our own efforts, make ourselves righteous before God. We can't. And we can't save ourselves from the penalty of sin that entered into the fray of life. Peter reminds us in this passage that Christ, God with us, suffered for our sins once and for all. God did this in the flesh. God came to be among us in Jesus, the son born of Joseph and of Mary, whose descendants go all the way back to Abraham and Sarah, and as our students learned just two Wednesdays ago, that even in the 14th generation back, Jesus' great-great-great-great-grandparents were Ruth and Boaz. In the story of Ruth. He who is righteous did this for the unrighteous. I feel like God is behind me. <laughs> that Christ, God with us, suffered for our sins once and for all. Who is righteous did this for the unrighteous in order to bring us to God, writes Peter. This has been accomplished through the death and the resurrection of God's only Son, Jesus Christ. We cannot save ourselves. God's grace is required. I knew Lily wasn't smiling at me. <laughs> Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the Spirit. And so we see the flesh. But we can't always see the Spirit, but we know that the Spirit is there. For we are, as the students have been learning, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And that requires faith. Jesus suffered, oh, we know this from the second or from the Apostle Creed second article, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended where? To the dead. Or in our old green hymnal, descended to hell. I think the reason that they changed that is that God can't descend there, but I can tell you God can do anything. Why? Why would God's self and the Son of Jesus Christ descend to the dead? And Peter gives us an answer. He went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. There was this wonderful book 
that we read in seminary called The Scandalous God. And at the crux of this book was why did Jesus have to die on a cross and where did Jesus go after he died on that cross? And it is scandalous that God went to be among the dead. And Peter talks about what did he do? But he went to those when God was patient with the people who were sinning and worshiping other gods, as he instructed Noah to build the ark, those who died in their sin before the flood, God descended to the dead to free them from the prison of their sin and death. These spirits and souls in former times did not obey God's commandments as in the days of Noah before the flood. Those who came after were saved by the water through the flood. And Peter talks about the eight, Noah, Miriam, and their children. In our baptism with the Lord prefigured the flood now saves us. We are anew as an appeal to God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This cleansing through the waters of baptism did not wash us clean from dirt, but washed us from unrighteousness and made us clean. I think of my son's confirmation verse 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 through 19 Paul writes therefore if anyone is in Christ a new creation has come and the old has gone the new is here all of this is from God who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them And he has committed us to this message of reconciliation. This comes through the same baptism of our Lord. And we just had a baptism here of Evan, August, Frenzig. And when we baptized Evan, we did so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Wade was here just to speak the words. God was doing something in stirring the waters, calling upon God's name, and he created something new. We can see the flesh, but something changed. And Evan, like us in our baptism, became children of God. This comes not as a ceremony in self that saves, but also by faith in Christ's death and resurrection. Now, Evan has no faith to speak of. He can't speak of faith. But he is surrounded by witnesses of that faith that has been planted in him as a seed and will be nourished over time. I think of Jack amongst us. Who, has been, who was baptized at this font. 
The seed of faith has been planted in him and through the faith of you, his mother and his father and the congregation and his sponsors and his pastor, we help to nurture that faith. It is through faith in the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For in Jesus' resurrection, he has gone into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God with all authority and power. The story of our suffering Christ is not only our story, it is God's story of endurance and deliverance of his fallen children. I can't imagine the suffering that our Christ did on the cross and he gave up his spirit before they broke his legs because it was fast to be the Passover and they had to finish the execution that Christ gave up for us. Thus, the cross requires us to live with sheer faith, faith that holds no evidence but has complete trust in abandonment. Abandonment that Jesus experienced when the people said, crucify him. And maybe in the abandonment that we feel and that we do not see God's presence before us. But through faith, God is. God was, is, and will be. Knowing we are loved, forgiven, and united with our God beyond the grave. For this is the only thing that's required of us. Is faith. God has done everything else. As you look at the scriptures, it comes down to this one thing in the Lutheran faith. And that is to know that you're saved. Not by anything that you have done, but what God has done. And has done that through Jesus Christ. And there isn't a thing you have to do. There's nothing that will change that. Here's what you have to do. Is to simply receive it. To simply believe, to simply accept, and to know that you are loved, you are forgiven. And God has something wonderful in store for you beyond the grave, in the presence of a loving God who went the distance for us. And so I'll end with the same faith statement that I started with. Christ's suffering made the right unrighteous holy. We are in Christ a new creation. Amen. Let us sing our hymn of the day. We walk by faith. 635 will sing stanzas one two and three, and this will be our Lenten hymn.
And so let us confess our sin as it's printed here in the bulletin. I'll read the light print if you'll join in in the dark. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most holy and merciful God, we confess to you and to one another and before the whole company of heaven that we have sinned by our fault, by our own fault, by our own most grievous fault, in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. By the mercy of God, we are united with Jesus Christ in whom we are forgiven. We rest now in the peace of Christ and rise in the morning to serve. Let us pray. O Lord, support us all day long in this troubled life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed. The fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in your mercy grant us safe lodging and a holy rest and peace at last. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Who taught us to pray and I invite you to rise. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go in peace. Share and live your faith. Thanks be to God. Copyright 2021, Augsburg Fortress, all rights reserved. Music and lyrics reprinted with permission under one license, 
number A-729734, all rights reserved.